0: Hey everyone, Greg here with another edition of Theater Shove It. I'm here again this week to give you my thoughts on the latest movies, playing in theaters, and streaming on your TV. Also this week, I have a few more titles that are new to streaming. I will give you my Oscars autopsy, and I will find out what you voted for for Be Kind, Rewind. So let's get started. For our featured movies this week, Academy Award nominee Adam Driver goes on a prehistoric journey in 65, Idris Elba hunts for a killer in Luther, The Fallen Sun, and Ghostface takes Manhattan in Scream 6. First up, when a scientist from a futuristic planet lands on prehistoric Earth, things go very, very wrong. This is 65.
1: We must get to Escape vessel. Escape Pods. Location
0: unknown. We need to be quiet. Quiet. And move. I need to get home. Oh,
1: family. Ready? Run!
0: Set 65 million years ago, this film stars Adam Driver as a space pilot named Mills, who is taking a two-year mission pretty much against his will, but he feels he needs to in order to afford medical care for his dying daughter. While flying through the galaxy, Mills' ship is hit by an asteroid storm and gets demolished before crash landing on Earth. All on board are killed except for Mills and a young girl. Played by Ariana Greenblatt, Koa is about the same age as Mills' daughter back home, so he feels especially protective of her. The two must now stick together to reach the top of a mountain range where their rescue ship is located. But along the way, they are hunted by a wide array of ravenous dinosaurs who are extremely pissed that these two have invaded their territory. Can they reach their destination before meeting an untimely death at the hands of a dino? When I saw this trailer, I predicted it would be a see it. And I give this film a... Shove it. So, I have last week's guest co-host, Miles, here with me to discuss a couple movies this week. Um, And he just left 65, so he's going to discuss his feelings about it as well. But for me, this was a big disappointment. I really enjoy Adam Driver and almost anything he's in. He usually picks projects that have the potential to be of higher quality, and honestly, I have no idea what drew him to this drivel. For an action film about dinosaurs and space travel, it kind of was incredibly boring. The special effects work was pretty weak, the script even weaker. Driver gives it his all, and he does have good chemistry with Greenblatt, but it was basically them running across the landscape and getting frightened by a dinosaur every three to five minutes. And in the middle of the film, the director changed the tone of the film for one scene. It went from tense to lighthearted, and it was just very strange. Like last week's Children of the Corn, this was mercifully short, with credits rolling at just under an hour and a half. So that was good. Any longer would have been torture. I say skip this one. Miles, what do you say?
1: I would also say skip. Um, Like you said, it was short, which was good. It didn't. Yeah. You couldn't feel the runtime. It was. I think it was fast pace, which I liked. It was, um, but it just wasn't good. The acting. Act. I had no problems with the acting. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I. Um,
0: yeah, I mean Adam Driver is a great actor, so yeah. I mean he'll make the best out of anything.
1: Can't expect anything less of him. But um, this movie, you can't expect less of, because it was um, sometimes boring. Like you said, the special effects weren't that great, and it was just predictable.
0: Yeah, it was like a poor man's Jurassic Park.
1: Yeah. It should have been straight to streaming, and it felt like it.
0: Yeah. Um feel
1: bad for anyone who paid money to go see this. Thankfully, I buy, we have A-list, so it didn't, yeah. didn't really affect us, but I would be pissed. Yeah,
0: the worst part is I sat through it twice, because he didn't see it, and um, we just went to the movies today and said, let's sneak into 65. And um, so I saw it twice. And uh, the my biggest problem with this movie is that There's a language barrier between the two characters, but Adam Driver's character still has full, long conversations in English with this girl who has no idea what he's saying, but you would never know it. So to me, that language barrier didn't even need to exist. There's no reason that character didn't need to understand English. I mean, she could have spoken English and we would have the same movie. The, The language barrier didn't add anything to The story because it didn't prevent them from getting to where they needed to go. So it's not like the language barrier stopped, created any challenges for them because it, it was just odd. So, but yeah, I'd say go ahead and skip this one. If anything, if you like this kind of stuff, I'd wait for it to go on streaming. Next, Idris Elba returns as Detective Chief Inspector John Luther trying to track down a murderous villain this is luther the fallen son
1: i need to stop this man i'm still a copper not anymore and if you refuse to stand down tactical unit will shoot you dead
0: This feature length film is a continuation of the BBC drama Luther, which can be seen on Netflix. And it begins with Luther behind bars for a litany of incriminating behavior while on the clock. Of course, these offenses have been leaked by tech billionaire David Roby, played by Andy Serkis, perhaps best known for the motion capture performance of Gollum in the Lord of the Rings films. Robbie spends his off time terrorizing the streets of London by staging elaborate murders across the city. He is at odds with Luther and taunts him for failing to stop the murders from happening. This leads Luther to work with insiders at the prison to stage a breakout where he can escape to lead the charge and hunting down Robbie. Now escaped, Luther looks for clues, hoping to help in his hunt for Robbie. At the same time, he is on the lamb from his former colleagues led by DCI Odette Rain, played by Oscar-nominated actress Cynthia Revo but it is a chance Luther is willing to take to capture the evil villain. Will he find him in time, or will there be more carnage throughout London? I give this film a... See it! Truth be told, I have never seen the TV series, and the highest compliment I can give this film is that it makes me want to watch it. I enjoyed the action sequences, which were very suspenseful and tense. Elba is his usually reliable self, and you can tell that he's played this role for many years and is very comfortable in it. Arivo is strong in her supporting role, as is Circus, who is about as evil as it gets in this role. The murder scenes are elaborate and stunning in how graphically orchestrated they are. I hope this film is considered successful for the franchise. I'd like to see more of them. The film is currently streaming on Netflix, if you'd like to watch. Finally, the body count continues to grow As the Ghostface Killer takes his show on the road This is Scream 6 I had this secret There's a darkness inside of me It followed me here And it's gonna keep coming for us We share
1: a certain history This isn't like any other ghost face. What is this place? A shrine. We've got to lure him in. We execute him.
0: As is tradition with the Scream franchise, Scream 6 opens with a killing. This time, it is a college film professor played by Samara Weaving, who looks remarkably like Margot Robbie. They should play sisters in a movie. We then can... Continue the story and realize that Samantha Carpenter and her sister Tara from the last film, played by Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega, have relocated from Woodsboro to New York City to escape the notoriety from the events in the last film Scream 5. Joining them are their friends, twins Mindy and Chad, played again by Jasmine Savoy-Brown and Mason Gooding. Tara is trying to gain independence from Samantha, who is overly protective of her sister considering their history as well as their new location. It is not long before they realize their past has caught up with them in the Big Apple, and they must go through hell yet again in order to survive another round with Ghostface. Also joining them in New York City, somewhat coincidentally, is Gail Weathers, played by franchise star Courtney Cox, who is now a news anchor in the city. When the murders begin to pile up, the group works with Detective Bailey, played by Dermot Mulroney, as they try to unmask the killer before it's too late. When I saw the trailer for this, I predicted it would be a see-it. And I give this film a... See-it! The Scream franchise is one of my favorite horror franchises. I love the winking nods to horror tropes and the cleverness of the scripts. I remember being terrified as all hell to watch the first film in 1996. Back then, I didn't have an appreciation for horror films and was basically a pussy. In recent years, I have learned the joy of watching horror films in the theater. I just love it when they are scary, not like that shitty Children of the Corn. Anyway, I saw... This one in 4DX with the moving seats and special effects throughout, such as when blood was splattering on screen, I was getting hit with drops of water, and when people were being stabbed, I was getting nudged in my back by the seats. It was a lot of fun. As for the movie itself, it does follow the typical scream outline and format, so much so that I knew who the killer was the instant the person appeared on screen. However, that didn't take away from my enjoyment of the film. It was a fun time at the theater, and if you enjoy the Scream films, I think you'll enjoy this one too. One note, it was a bit sad to see uh, that Nev Campbell didn't return to this film after failed contract negotiations. This film is making bank for the studios, and I hope they can pay her what she's worth to bring her back for what is sure to be the next installment. Miles, what did you think of it?
1: I thought it was good. Definitely see it. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I thought was missing is with these movies, and this happened with The Last one too. I never got scared. I jumped once in this movie, not in the second. I wish, or in the last one.
0: And you can be a wuss sometimes.
1: I can't. I, yeah. I can't do uh, Halloween Horror Nights Houses. And this doesn't make me jump. I wish that it was a little more scary. I mean, he does pop out of walls, but it's never like... 65 made me jump more than Scream.
0: I would pay money to see you in a Halloween Horror Night's house.
1: Oh, there's a lot of tears. Yeah, I bet. Um, but otherwise, I really liked it. I thought the change of scenery was very nice. Um, yeah. I like the cast. The gore is great. There's this one scene in their apartment mm. where it mm-hmm. chases them for a good, like, seven, eight minutes. Yeah. Which is great. Very yeah. tense.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought, I thought the, the kill scenes were really really good. And you're right. It's not it's not like cheap jump scares scary, but it's tense scary. And and I really really liked there's like I would say four four kill scenes that all of them are really good. The they one in the one in the bodega was very good <laughs> and the the one in the apartment they were they're all really good. Yes. And so that's um, where the film excels. Yeah. Like, yeah this franchise even though it's become a little bit predictable in terms of structure they they really are a good time at the movies
1: oh yeah i hope one comes out next year they did one last year they did one this year hopefully they keep it keep it going
0: keep churning them out like they'll be like the new saw Mm -hmm. although i but good yeah but good yeah the saw franchises are just gross
1: so definitely see it
0: yeah so so that's it for this week's featured films to recap, 65 is in theaters now and is a shove it. Luther the Fallen Sun is streaming on Netflix now and is a see it. And Scream 6 is in theaters now and is a see it and is my pick of the week. Now, let's move on to my segment where I discuss additional movies I've seen this week. This is Quick Picks. <music> The faith-based story of Pastor Samuel Allen is featured in the movie Southern Gospel, and that is in theaters now. If you like faith-based movies, you'll probably enjoy it, but for a non-religious person like me, it was a little too heavy-handed in its messaging. It is playing in select theaters now and is a shove-it. Brie and Jay Ellis star in Somebody I Used to Know, now streaming on Amazon Prime. It tells the story of a former couple reuniting just before one of them is about to get married. It is a poor man's version of the infinitely better Julia Roberts, Dermot Mulroney, who was in Scream 6, their film My Best Friend's Wedding. It was such a carbon copy that even the film mentioned it. It wasn't great, and like I said, it's currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video and is a shove-it. And the Oscar nominated Irish film The Quiet Girl is a stunning film about a young girl who is sent to live with relatives for the summer, where she receives love and affection for the first time in her life. It is in select theaters now and is a see it. In fact, I know I said last week that Close would have been my pick for the International Feature Oscar, but this one took its place. It doesn't really matter because both of them lost. <laughs> Now, let's move on to my segment where I share where you can find some of the films I enjoyed within the last year that are now available for home viewing. This is now streaming. The overblown but not as bad as I expected it to be Babylon, directed by Damien Chazelle, is now streaming on Paramount+. To hear my full review, you can find it on episode 49. The great Marcel the Shell with Shoes On is one of last year's best films. It is now streaming on Showtime, and to hear my full review, you can find it on episode 22. Oh, that took a while to get onto streaming. And the surprisingly good Puss in Boots The Last Wish is now streaming on Peacock. To hear my full review, you can find it on episode 48. But remember, I was not a huge fan the first time I saw it. It took a second viewing to appreciate it, and it's actually really good. (laughs) Now that another year's Oscars are complete it is time for me to give you my thoughts and miles's thoughts on the ceremony in one final Oscar outlook okay so um, last night pretty much went as expected even though it was such an unpredictable year this year there were so many close races but it seemed to be predictable yet unpredictable if that makes sense. The people that I thought were going to win or come second actually did win. Um, I thought the show was great.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I still need to watch Jimmy Kimmel's monologue because I had to take my dog for a walk, and he wanted to go for a very, 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 very long walk at seven fifty.
1: Well, I could say it it was good
0: yeah I'll watch it later um. I was really my favorite win of the night was probably Jamie Lee Curtis, because she, you know, she's been in the she's been in the business for a long time. Mm -hmm. And she she hasn't been in movies that people take very seriously because of, you know, snobbery or whatever. Um, And she's been doing a lot of really good work in the last couple of years, except for that last Halloween, which was a piece of shit. Mm. It was terrible. Did you see that? Yes, I did. Oh, it was was awful. And, um, you know, it was nice to, you know, sometimes you just got to give somebody an award. It may not be their best performance, but does anybody really think that Al Pacino's best performance was Incentive a Woman? Absolutely not. That was actually really an overblown performance, but it was a legacy award, and sometimes that happens. I know that there's chatter about Angela Bassett's reaction, which was not a good look, It was not a good look that she didn't applaud or stand up or even smile after she lost. And I get it. I get it. Nobody likes losing, especially when you really hope and want something. But come on, you're an actress. Put on a smiley face and then be pissed when you get home. But let's face it. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis campaigned the shit out of this nomination. She was everywhere. She was on Instagram, she sent the right messages, she, I'm telling you, she ran a perfect campaign, as did the movie itself. And honestly, I watch a lot of talk shows, and I did not see Angela Bassett on any of them. I may have seen her on one. But, I mean, these are the type of things, you've got a campaign. And, you know, she didn't. And on top of it, she had a Marvel movie. Those are not looked upon highly by the Academy. And I think the fact that Ant-Man was failing at the box office during this voting period did not help her case. So next time she's nominated, she's got to get herself out there. And you were telling me earlier that Brendan Fraser was your favorite uh, win of the night. And, um, and also you were shocked about how Elvis uh, walked away empty-handed, and I was very surprised by that too, but Uh, You had said something that was very interesting about the Best Picture nominees.
1: Yeah, five of the ten Best Picture nominees walked
0: away with nothing. Oh, yeah. I mean, we mentioned Elvis. Tar didn't get anything. Banshees. Banshees. uh, Fablemans. And Triangle of Sadness. Well, I'm not surprised or upset that Triangle of Sadness didn't get anything. Um, But, yeah, it was surprising, because they usually like to spread the wealth, and this year it just seemed that, like, Goodwill. There was so much goodwill behind everything everywhere that they wanted to just give that film a big hug in any way they could. And the people behind it, in front of the camera and behind the camera, just seemed like good people, and I think that was a, a good win. Um what was interesting as I, I mentioned it on my reaction episode was this was the first year that one film has taken three out of four acting prizes since 1976 with Network. And oh, wow. before that, the only other time before that was um, a Streetcar Named Desire, and I think that was 1951. I looked it up last night. And um, so it's very rare for that to happen. And I think the show itself was good. I, it was sort of like return to normal, old times, um, Hollywood glamour. It was, it was nice. I, so,
1: I really like the stage design. Um, the graphics behind them, and then they had these signs that you see in, like, the old theaters where they put the letters in for all the, like, on the side of the stage that, like, changed. I thought that looked really cool.
0: Yeah, so it, overall it was a good good show, and um, it was a good year. And we both did pretty well with our predictions. Um, of the 20 that we both predicted together, we actually both tied and got 14, right? And um, the additional three that I did, I got two of those right. So 16 out of 23 for me, 14 out of 20 for you. I think that is pretty good for an unpredictable year. So with Oscar Outlook hibernating until later this year, it will be replaced with a new segment called Oscar Got It Right or Oscar Got It Wrong, depending on what I talk about each week. I'm going to discuss controversial wins and losses over the years, either controversial for the masses or controversial for me. So look for that starting next week. Now it's time for my segment where I look at films from the past. This is Be Kind, Rewind. Continuing my series where I take the 52-week movie challenge, this week's topic was a family-friendly film. You voted and selected the incredible film, The Parent Trap.
1: Why the sudden curiosity about your dad, huh? Mother, you
0: can't the subject forever at least tell me what he was like i want to talk to you about my mother what about your mother dad i'm almost 12 how long do you expect me to buy that story that the stork dropped me on your doorstep everyone in the world believes they're unique in their own way annie james and hallie parker are about to discover this
1: is so freaky
0: they're both unique in the same way that's my mom that's my dad
1: and you and I are like, like sisters. Hallie, I like twins.
0: Set in Maine, two strangers named Hallie and Annie, played by an adorably young Lindsay Lohan, meet at summer camp and are shocked to see that they look exactly alike. When they are punished for not following expectations of the camp, both girls are sent to the isolation cabin. While getting to know about one another, they discover the truth to their similarities. It turns out they were separated at birth and each went to live with one of their parents, who eventually divorced. Their parents are played by Dennis Quaid and the late Natasha Richardson. The two conspire to switch sides and to experience what it's like to have the parent each never had. Everything goes according to plan until their father, Nick, gets engaged to his girlfriend. Now the girls need to restructure their plan with the goal of getting their parents back together. The film was a remake of the great 1961 film of the same name, starring Disney superstar Hayley Mills, Brian Keith, and Maureen O'Hara. That film is iconic in the Disney library, as and it was a huge success at the box office, and ended up getting nominated for two Academy Awards for Best Sound and Film Editing. The remake was released on July 29, 1998, to great reviews in box office, earning just under $100 million worldwide. And while this one didn't earn any Academy Award nominations, it did help launch the career of Lowen in her film debut and even earned praise for her performance from none other mm-hmm. than Haley Mills. Both versions of The Parent Trap can be streamed on Disney+, and would make for a nice double feature. Next week's Be Kind Rewind topic is Best Adapted Screenplay Winning Film. The choices that will be up for a vote are The Silence of the Lambs, Miracle on 34th Street, Terms of Endearment, and The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Come to my Instagram, at cedershuvit, to vote for which film I should focus on. The post with the most likes will be next week's segment. So, that's it for this episode of Cedar Cedershuvit. Miles, thank you for joining me again. Of course. And listeners, thank you for joining me again this week. I am very, very grateful. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this month. And while you're at it, share my podcast with your movie and TV loving friends and family. Follow me on Instagram at theater shove It and rate me wherever you get your podcasts. Come back next week to hear my thoughts on Shazam Fury of the Gods and the rest of next week's new releases. Have a great week, everyone. This episode of Theater Shove It was recorded in Orlando, Florida, and is produced by Gregory G. Productions. Music by Mysterio Music, all rights reserved.